It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, as always, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hey, more and more people are considering shifting from being an employee of a firm, of a business, working for somebody else, to now working for themselves, being self-employed or an independent contractor. And that might be a step towards retirement, semi-retirement, could just be a change in work-life balance. But whatever it is, if you're considering this move, what are the steps involved to get everything set up correctly? That's what we're hitting today on the Wise Money Show. That's right. That's right. If you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. New website is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Come on. And then all of our social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. I don't know, guys. I'm curious if, whether you think this is a new trend or if it's just circumstantial, but I've had three people in the past month, maybe two, reach out and say, I'm, I want to be independent. I, and, and it's not just I want to. Like, I've already run the miles and had some discussions. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, hey, I was working in this one industry and I want to go to a completely different industry. It's, no, I want to keep doing the same thing. And it's not even I want to keep doing the same thing and build a business, build an enterprise. No, no, no. I want to keep doing the same thing just without all the bureaucracy and I want to set my own hours and I'm just going to do it as a contractor. Instead of getting paid a salary, I will select an hourly rate and I'll just sell my time piecemeal back to the same company or or similar companies. And I don't know, guys, if you've seen an increase in this or why you think that might be, but I'm curious your thoughts and then whether or not you you have like what are some of the times when when this might be presented or it might be a a curiosity for people if there's a time in life well you you asked if this was a trend and to me the trend piece of this i i do feel like that's happening more and more often and it it seems like around the time of covid there was an explosion of the side hustle or uh, I think what you're describing, though, is not just adding an additional business on the side, but but actually like leaving your employment and going out on your own, essentially. It feels like we've got a. I was walking by someone. Um, we were we were at a travel baseball tournament, walking through Target because we needed more water, and I heard these people, these girls, loud like embrace a friend. Oh, I haven't seen you in so long. Blah blah. And and quickly went. Uh, went to when are you gonna when are you gonna come back? We've got you know the, we we have enough people now. Like I see that is exactly what was said. So this turned out it, it turned out it was a coworker who said enough. I'm burnt out. Uh-huh. We're overworked. We don't have enough people, and I gotta go. Uh-huh. And now a lot of that's been smoothed out. It's not. I'm assuming you know it's not perfect, but a lot of that's been smoothed out. It, but I think there's some people that are. Yeah, no, I, I can't keep doing all of this. I'm just going to do this for myself and set my own hours. So a very firm labor market, I think, is possibly the trend. I, I, I agree. I, where my mind was going, though, is it seems somewhat generational, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I 
I don't know if an entire generation can be more entrepreneurial than another one, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe starting with the millennial generation, certainly my kids' generation, they they seem to be just more of a hey, I wanna I wanna be able to control my own work arrangement, you know. And the best way to have just the right balance, the way you like it, is to be 100% in control of of your schedule and things like that. Now that comes with implications, obviously. You know, if if you decide, hey, I'm going to control the number of hours that I work, then it could have an impact on how quickly your business grows or your your side hustle or in this case your self-employment type of a role, but I don't know. I, I even see it within my kids. You know, you have multiple kids and you can see the difference in their personalities. I've got one who's very entrepreneurial. He he doesn't he doesn't want the job. He everything is a there's a business in there somewhere. How can you you, you can tell that because he thinks that he could parent himself better than you? Yeah, <laughs> He's much. like I could do this without a boss if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I think there are lots of people that have have made the choice to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. And so <laughs> this is the question is what what is cuz there are a lot of people that are unhappy that 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 unhappiness spiral, Mike, the the target situation you're talking about, is not uncommon. Uh, you lose a few people in your department or in your organization, and the the existing workload didn't change. It just fell upon fewer people. Well, fewer people are doing more work, and it's hard as a I can see as a business owner, it's hard to find folks to come do the work, and so. Yeah, the, you, you, it's a very tricky time right now, and so you have to say you have to think with folks: what is this 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 cause of my unhappiness, and would it be solved if I picked up the? Because if you say, "Hey, I don't like the bureaucracy or this or that other thing," well, you you will be responsible for a hundred percent of it if you go out on your own. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, the, now the the focus of the show is not well. You've got to determine if this is right for you. Now it's if you've already determined it. But but before we get into the steps, there's five steps we've laid out. Step zero, really, before we get into the five, is r- really, <laughs> really like is this is this truly what is the right thing for you? You need to have people in your life that can honestly tell you, hey, this this is not going to bring you happiness. This might feel like it will solve a couple of the symptoms you're feeling mm-hmm. right now, but it's it's not going to be. This isn't. It's like rental real estate. We have had for every one person that's made rental real estate work, there have been nine others that that have tried or thought it was a great idea and it didn't work for them. It doesn't mean rental real estate doesn't work. It absolutely works, but it either. Uh, it either is a compliment to you and you're it's you, there's good chemistry you're a good fit or it's not so Mike you're talking about getting advice from people that know you and care about you and it's that is a that that's a tricky thing because it's kind of like saying hey here's my fiance what do you think about her yeah <laughs> well <laughs> hey, do you yeah. do you want to know uh so so this is where if you're if you are if you're at step zero, you're not ready to take the plunge and take step number one, I would encourage you to read a book called The E-Myth Revisited because that will help you think through, well, what what 
kind of person am I? And they, they lay out three different kind of types of people, a technician, a manager, an entrepreneur. And they lay it out and they do it in a, in a kind of a fable format. It's very, to me, it's very interesting. I think the best book for life is the Bible, uh, hands down. The best book for business, especially if you want to go out and do something on your own, is the E-Myth because you have to figure out what uh, what are the things that I'm going to have to either be good at or I'm going to have to be an amazing delegator fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and can I, I do that? One of the concepts in that book is this idea of how many businesses, how many people have gotten out on their own, so to speak, because of an entrepreneurial seizure. I think is his phrase. Yep. Yep. You know, just sort of a, a crisis, something externally drives you to just take the plunge. And th- the risk is if you're starting your own side hustle, starting your own gig, going out on your own, whatever, um, and it is in response to just kind of being miserable somewhere else, you may not have laid out these five steps in advance. You may not have put the right foundation in place to be able to really truly succeed in this in this new position. So we like to think of starting a business or becoming self-employed as a financial planning decision. It's going to support your financial life, hopefully, if everything goes well, but your financial life needs to first support it. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to have the right things in place like emergency funds and, and whatnot. But what we're going to be talking about in this show is what are the things that you need to put in place after you've already decided, Yeah. right? Yeah. After you've already gone out on your own. And um, we'll, we'll get into that in the next segment here. Right. But in, and so just to encourage you on that, you definitely want to have a firm foundation financially. Oh, yeah. Before you do that, but oh, that's, yeah. that's not the purpose. So the, the book is The E-Myth Revisited. E is entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial myth, that so many people have this entrepreneurial seizure, but it's ultimately not right for them. That's not trying to talk you out of it, but it then kind of lays out, here's a way to think about and approach your business. What are the steps, though, financially, that you need to have in place in order to get on the right track? We're helping with that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. So you've decided to go independent, be a contractor, be an independent contractor, self-employed. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? What are the tactical things that you need to do to get everything set up? We're helping with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studio, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe or follow us there and rate the program as well. We appreciate it. Okay, start of the show was really just a, the banter around, well, uh, shifting from employee to independent contractor, what do you need to consider, blah, blah, blah. But once you've decided that, then then we get a lot of people that come and say, I'd like to make this transition, and we have that discussion. Are you sure it's right? And here's what it would mean and why and all that. And then if they're like, yeah, I've already worked through all that, and, and yeah, I'm doing this. This makes sense. Um, now what do I need to do financially? You need to have that financial foundation in place. Otherwise, you step out on your own, step away from that paycheck, and there's nothing. Okay, that's, that's Most people have a hard time with that. You can't just live on credit cards and that sort of thing. So, But aside from that, what do you need to do to get the business set up correctly? Well, five steps. Step number one is you need to establish your LLC. 
establish an LLC. Guys, why is that the first step? What is an LLC? Okay. To, to me, you could even zoom out and give a more generic um, phrase here and say you're establishing separateness from yourself. Mm. Um, if you go hang a shingle. <laughs> sounds like the stuff they're teaching in schools. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds right. new age. <laughs> uh, if you go hang a shingle and start your own business, you are a sole proprietor. Um, anyone can, can set this up. You can start doing business right away and millions of people do. The problem is if something goes wrong in your business, you can be personally liable for the lawsuits, the damages, whatever has gone wrong. And you can actually have much of your financial life at risk just simply because you didn't establish a separate entity for your business. What could go wrong? I mean, someone just won a lawsuit against McDonald's for their chicken nugget being too hot. Oh not kidding. <laughs> not, not <laughs> kidding. And you'd think, oh, McDonald's has been around. They're a target. They've got those warnings on everything. And they just paid out uh, another big lawsuit because a chicken nugget was Dude, too hot. I, I can, okay, I can see a business opportunity right here. I could be a nugget eating consultant. There you go. <laughs> Coach it. these people up on how to eat those things. <laughs> That's right. so Give me some nuggies. I'll, I'll help you eat those things right. Yeah, you, you have a disgruntled customer, disgruntled employee. Uh, the product you're producing or the services you're providing cause damage to someone else. A slip and a fall when they come to your place of employment. You name it. I mean, there's the, the variety of lawsuits that are out there is pretty distinguished. But... The point is, an LLC is creating a separate entity that basically it, it like puts a, a fence of protection around the business, not to protect the business from lawsuits, but if a lawsuit comes to the business, it protects your financial life from getting dragged down with it. Yep. Okay, So an LLC can be set up very easily with your state. And by setting up the LLC, then you can go set up an, uh, an EIN, employer identification number. That also becomes like a tax ID. It's almost like the social security number for the business. That allows you then to get a separate bank account or a separate credit card. What you're trying to do is establish separateness so that your financial life is insulated from things going wrong. Now, you don't go into business thinking that things are going to go wrong. But that's why you put these precautions in place and then start managing. Even if you're a self-employed individual, you, you manage the business separate from your own financial life. You're not paying for business expenses out of the family checkbook and vice versa. You're not buying groceries out of the business's checkbook. Yep. You're keeping them truly separate. And that ultimately is what provides liability protection or lawsuit protection ultimately. Yeah, the LLC is limited liability. And and yeah, it limits it. Josh, Josh that was a fantastic explanation. I hadn't heard you share it that way. And, and yeah, it sounds a little weird, creating separateness. But yes, that's exactly what it is. And, and then it allows you to have that separate bank account and that separate business credit card for your transactions. And so that things are, things are separate and they're neat and tidy. And in that process, limits your personal liability. Mm -hmm. And so the LLC is a legal and tax structure. So, well, that gets to the second mm -hmm. second step here, right? And uh, and and to me, this is the biggie. Most people think, well, I need to establish the LLC to save on taxes. No, 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 no. You need to establish the LLC to get that limited liability. 
Mm-hmm. You then have to go to step two. And this is the big one. We could spend four shows just talking about this. And that is you need to decide how do you want that LLC to be taxed? Mm-hmm. You get a choice in mm-hmm. how you want it to be taxed. And and there's a choice made for you. If you do nothing, an LLC is your legal structure and your tax structure. So whatever your profits are it will be taxed to you and it basically as self-employment income. So you're going to pay federal, state, and 15.3% on whatever profits you have. So you can make what's called an S-Corp election and elect to be taxed as an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. So a uh, uh, Subchapter S Corporation. There's all kinds of jargon that makes a lot of this stuff kind of scary. It's really not scary. But basically what happens is now instead of everything coming to you as the, um, as the owner of the LLC, you now are able to be an employee of the, of the firm. You're also the owner of the firm. So as the employee, you're paid a wage. So with an S-Corp, in order to be an S-Corp, there has to be payroll. That can be one payroll. That can be one payroll that you do in December. But there has to be payroll. And then there's also, uh, that would be your wages. And then there's also profit. So pretend you had you know, total um, income if you're just working for yourself out of your house. And you had total income of uh, 100000 let's say 100000 I don't know what the number is. You could be an employee and pay yourself a wage of 50000 and you could have $50,000 of profit. There's a profit number that you, and the, the advantage to that is you don't pay self-employment tax on the profit number. Now, this is where it gets into some of the art side of the equation because you have to set a reasonable wage. Because if you said, well, I... I avoid 15.3% on anything that I consider profit, then most of us would say, well, then consider it all profit. But uh, Paul said consider it all profit. But you can't do that because the IRS says, no, you have to, for your roles, duties, responsibilities, you have to set a reasonable wage. And, and, And the problem is you can't go and determine what a, the IRS isn't going to tell you what a reasonable wage is. They'll just tell you if you haven't. And there's 87,000 reasons to try and get that number right. Yeah, I, I think everything that you just ran through is, for many people, it will be further down the road after they've been operating their LLC for a little while. Most most businesses don't have enough profit year one to justify doing the elaborate uh, income splitting that that you're describing, Kevin. But if this is your first go at owning an LLC, establishing it, there's just some things that you need to understand. An LLC is a pass-through entity, meaning the business itself will not pay taxes. You will, personally. Mm-hmm. So as that business generates profit, um, it's going to flow through to your personal tax return in one of two ways. And it, it all depends on how many owners are in the business. Mm-hmm. An LLC can be just you owning it, and or, or it could be you and your spouse or you and another business partner, however you want to describe it. But those owners in an LLC are referred to as members. Uh, 
So there's either a single member LLC or you essentially have a partnership. But either way, the business activities are going to flow through to the owner's tax returns, the, the members. And you, you need to decide this up front because you're either going to add some extra complexity. You know, if, if you and your spouse own that LLC together, now you have to file a separate tax return, yep. a, a partnership tax return. And that partnership tax return is what pushes all the profit through to your, your tax return. It could be much more simple if you just own it by yourself. There's a lot of nuances here. Kevin gave an overview. Josh is now adding a little bit more meat and structure to it. And there's a, there's a lot more. Now, ultimately, you're going to need to work with your CFP on this, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this decision. And then the three other steps, we've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. So you've decided to become an independent contractor, be self-employed. What are the steps involved to get that right? Well, we're talking through the biggie right now. There's five steps at least, but the biggest one we're hitting right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard with me in the KFT studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Step one, you've decided... I'm making a move. I'm I'm entering semi-retirement and I've talked to my employer and we're going to go self-employed contractor for a couple of years while I ease into retirement or whatever. You've made the decision. Now, what do you need to get in place? You need to establish that separateness between your business and you personally. And to do that, you set up an LLC. Okay. Work with an attorney to get that done. I don't know if AI is going to replace a bunch of the attorneys and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know. Work with an attorney to get that done because they will help you draft the right documents and operating agreement and then help you get your EIN. You, you could do it yourself. You could. You could do it online. I would tell you, talk to an attorney, get that done. The second, though, this is the biggie. And you're going to want to talk to your certified financial planner on this. I would not go and just talk to a CPA. I, most CPAs don't do a lot of comprehensive planning. And that's the perspective you need to make this decision. But the second step is establish how you're going to have that LLC taxed. Very briefly, you have a choice of having it taxed as a sole proprietorship, assuming you're the only owner. If you set, if the ownership is you and your spouse and it's going to be a partnership, okay. But self-employed or, or sole proprietorship or be taxed as an S-corp. Let's continue down the road of what that means, what the implications are, and then how you might figure out whether you should do which. I, I agree with you, Josh. Most businesses, you should start as have it being taxed as a sole proprietorship. Likely, you're not going to have enough income to justify the additional complexity that it will cause uh, by being in a subchapter and, S. And that's what you need to understand, that you are signing up for additional complexity when you have an S-corp election or a subchapter S um, tax status, essentially. Um, when you are treating your LLC as if it's a corporation for tax purposes, there's just formalities that you have to have. Yes, you absolutely have to have a separate tax return. Uh, that separate tax return will be for the S-corp, for that, that business. And the profits will flow through to you personally as well. Um, so the extra tax return could be, you know, an extra expense, an extra hassle, that sort of thing. 
you you're supposed to file those returns by March 15th each year and if you can't get it done that soon then you can have an extension uh, for an extra six months but um, filing that extra tax return is an extra step and an extra expense but then you also are required as Kevin was explaining in the last segment you're required to give yourself a paycheck you have to have a, a salary or a wage and um, it has to be a reasonable wage so defining what does that mean when you add payroll now to your business, there are extra filings that you have to do there too, because now you're paying additional taxes um, as you go throughout the year instead of um, you know you know potentially waiting for the next quarter or, or for the end of the year. Those payroll taxes are the same payroll taxes that your employer used to pay for you. Mm-hmm. Now you're in charge, so usually you're you're getting some help with that. That's an easy thing to outsource to a, a firm that runs payroll for for other business, an accounting type of a, a firm. But that's an extra complexity, yeah. an extra expense as well. Most people don't realize there are there are quarterly tax forms that you need to file showing your withholdings on payroll, and then at the end of the year, there's an annual sort of reconciliation of a tax form. So a 941 quarterly, a 940 at the end of the year. You then have to create a W-2 for yourself and all those extra filings. And because you're an employee, again, we're just saying in this scenario, you were an employee. Now you yourself are an independent contractor. Well, through that lens where you're being uh, subchapter S and you're on payroll, you have to file and pay unemployment. Unemployment? What? It's just me. I'm, I'm the business. I'm the employee. Yeah, you still have to pay it and file it. It seems ridiculous. You'll never claim. You'll never file a claim against yourself for firing yourself. But you got to pay it. That's right. So for some people, adding back the formalities of kind of running their own business, it it may be part of what you wanted to leave before, just kind of the bureaucracy, (laughs) all the complexity, that sort of thing. I just want to go, you know, hang drywall. I I, I just want to go, you know, do, do electrical work or plumbing work or something like that. I, I want to do it for myself. And now you're adding in all of these extra business owner type responsibilities when you go to an S-Corp. But, but why would you do it? The whole reason is what Kevin was describing in the last uh, segment, that there could be some great tax savings if you turn your LLC into an S-Corp for tax purposes or, or file an S-Corp election would be the, the phrase that a CPA or, or an attorney would use. And it is being able to take all those profits, some of it get treated as as wages that you would pay some extra taxes on, but maybe most of it or a lot of it treated as just a pass-through profit to you that can avoid some significant taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a threshold at which your income once it gets above it, and it's not a magic number, it, it's different for each person, but if your income's below a certain level and likely it's going to stay at that level, probably isn't going to make sense to add this extra complexity and cost. If your income spikes up for one year above that threshold and then is expected to go back down, I still probably wouldn't do it. But if your income is going to be above a certain threshold that you'll work out with your CFP and likely to stay there, you've probably reached the point where it's going to make sense to add this complexity and extra cost and they'll help you navigate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's step two. Step three, then you've got your LLC in place. You've chosen how it's going to be taxed. Step three is to get your insurances in place. And there's a few different layers to this. Number one, and 
likely you're stepping away from your health insurance and some insurance benefits with your employer when you go on your own. I was talking to one of the individuals recently who said, yeah, I don't know when I, when I transition, I'm assuming I'll probably charge, you know, a hundred bucks an hour or something like that. And we started talking through the taxes. All right. You've got federal tax, state tax, FICA tax. So that's going to take maybe 40% of that. So now you charged a hundred, you're getting 60 and you're going to have to buy your own health insurance fully. And let's quickly pull up what that quote is. And it was almost like she was going to be making, I don't know, somewhere around 40 bucks an hour, which is nice. However, where she's currently working, she's getting a salary and her salary equates to about 80 bucks an hour. So it's like, well, really, do you want to do this sort of thing? But that third step is getting all your insurances in place. Health insurance is one of them. What what are some of the others? Uh, So if your business owns any type of assets, you know, maybe you have some equipment, maybe you have a vehicle, um, office furnishings, that sort of thing. There's a a type of insurance called a commercial property um, type of a a policy. And it's basically what happens if your stuff gets damaged. It'd be similar to having like homeowner's insurance to protect the house uh, or car insurance to protect your asset itself. But then probably the more important thing is to look at what are the liabilities that you could be exposed to? What are the risks for lawsuits coming back at you? And commercial liability insurance is there to protect you from things going wrong with your customers, your employees, that that sort of thing. So the the slip and fall, um, maybe something wrong with... uh, the, the services you provide, someone suing you because you said something that hurt them, yeah. uh, that, that kind of thing. So figuring out health insurance, that's usually the first thing people think of because they're stepping away from that benefit. And you've got to sit down with a health insurance expert, but with your CFP as well, should you go on COBRA, that will only last a certain time period. Healthcare.gov, are there other insurances? That's one. Two, for your business, having property coverage, having liability coverage, that also is something new. But then most people think, well, it stops there. No, what are the other insurances that you need? What if you venture out on your own and then there's a disability where you're no longer able to, to you know, make income anymore? I mean, that's mm-hmm. disability insurance. Most people think it's really treated as an afterthought as part of their benefits package. No, it's critically important, your ability to earn an income. So disability insurance, and there's several others. Kevin, real quick. Well, I, th- I think... One of the things you want to do is look at what you had at work and how do I replace that? So I might have had life insurance. I might have had disability insurance. I might have vision coverage, all these various things. How do I replace those? Uh, Josh mentioned unemployment insurance. You're going to have to pay for that. I might need to put work comp insurance in place. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yep. and so there's a, there's a lot. All right. So that hits step three. There's two more. If you're going independent, we've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Uh, Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, as well as a lot of other content, tons of content. Every single weekday, we've got a Next Wise Step video that takes one financial concept, applies it directly to your financial life. So if you've missed any of today's show, want to catch up on previous shows, want to capture all that additional content, go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, 
and uh, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content. All right, for those of you that have an entrepreneurial seizure where you're doing the work as an employee for a business and you think, I, I got to go out on my own. Now, a lot of times, at least up until the past, up until COVID, people thinking I got to go out on my own is normally associated with, I want to go build my own business and have a couple employees and I could do this better myself, starting small and whatever. Now, what we're seeing more of is a trend of, no, nah, I don't want to go build a business. I just don't want to be an employee anymore. I want to do the same thing. I just want to work for myself. I don't, I don't want any employees. That's, that's a headache. I just want to work for myself, pick my own hours, pick my own projects, and I'll just do it for myself. And and yeah, that that actually could be really appealing when there's way more work than there are people to do it. But just know that, you know, if you say, well, right now my work is asking me to work 60 hours a week and I still can't get it all done. I'm going to go out on my own and then I can just force them to say, no, I'm, I'm only doing 40 hours of work. Well, what if, what if uh, you're not that great at selling your services and you can only find 20 hours of work or it goes to 10 or I don't know, you know, right? So, well, the idea that you can perfectly have 40 hours of work, you, you, I'm going to say in the Goldilocks and three bears scenario, you either have too much work or not enough work. Yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it you're destined to do that. And then you have to say, well, what work do I turn down? And if I turn down work, will I get work from that source again? And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not simple. So yeah. if once you decide, now nah, I'm going to do it, you got to get your LLC set up. You got to decide what entity, entity structure you want you you want to be taxed like. Do you want to be taxed like in a sole proprietor or an S-corp? That's a huge decision, financial planning decision. Three, you've got to get all your insurances set up. That is also a financial planning decision. You've got to work with, with your CFP on that. Fourth, you then need to determine how you're going to pay your taxes. And you might say, what a doofus. I'm just going to pay taxes. What, what do you mean? No, when you were an employee, that's what you did. Just was withheld. Make sure you've got it, the formula right. Not when you go self-employed. If you Even if you say, ah, I'm subchapter S, immediately set up my wage, I'm going to withhold on that. Well, how are you going to pay the taxes on the profit? If you start as a sole proprietor, how are you going to pay the taxes? There's no withholdings. So you've got to determine how you're going to pay the taxes. And if once you realize, okay, I've got different choices. Okay, I'll figure that out. Well, then how much are you going to pay? Yeah. That's a hu- You can't overlook that step. That is an that's enormous right. step. And, and that's one of the most important things that your certified financial planner and CPA can collaborate on to help you figure out. And it's part of the conversation that we often have with business owners. Um, you know, if, if every month you're taking the time to tally up how did the business do or how did my, my sole proprietor um, activities, how, how did it play out as far as profitability? What was my profit last month? And I encourage business owners to set a portion of that aside in a do not touch account for taxes. It's the tax account, and you know every business. It's a slightly different percentage because we don't. Not every business is going to land uh, the, the business owner in a in the same tax bracket or anything. But you need to set aside the money to be able to pay your taxes on a quarterly basis. That's the default. That's what you're going to have to do unless you can put other formal things in place to make it even easier. And so if you're going to write a check four times a year or several checks to various government entities. You got to have the cash there. Yeah. 
And the risk is if you haven't set it aside and earmarked it and committed it for taxes, then it's going to get used to just run the business. And those dollars will will get used, right? Or you're going to pull that money into your personal financial life thinking that you're more flush with cash than you actually should be. And the risk then is you get behind on your taxes. And this is what creates the crisis for most sole proprietors or more, most startups, most people who are self-employed. You get behind on taxes and man, it's hard to get caught back up. Oh yeah. So setting aside those dollars so that in April and June, September and January, and yes, you heard me correctly, those are not equally spread out. Those are not lining up perfectly with a calendar quarter. But that's when the payments are due if you're making quarterly estimates. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as I'm listening to you guys, it's, it's making me kind of tired. And it, it reminds me of the statistics. And they say, you know, figures lie and liars figure. So I'll give you, I'll give you some statistics. 20% of the new businesses fail in the first two years. 45% in the first five. 65 in the first 10 and only 25% of new businesses make it 15 years or more. So if you're listening to this, this that those statistics might just be the chip on your shoulder that you need to have. You probably need to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and a little bit of a complex uh, to, to make it. You're gonna need some grit. Now I can tell you this, the easiest way to do it, is, if you're gonna go out on your own is to have a spouse with a great job, so, because Mike was talking about health insurance benefits. Well, guess what? You hop on your on your spouse's benefits. Uh, Josh is talking about taxes. Well, here's what you do: you have your spouse do some withholdings to cover some of what what you would have, and it makes it simple. Taxes are are one of the things that take that that takes some business owners either down or down and out. Yeah. And, and if you're not separating your business life from your personal life, that's where you get in huge trouble. And you just say, hey, I can just do it this one time. I just need to move money from this account to that account. And before you know it, Peter has been robbed to uh, pay Paul, and uh, Peter and Paul are both completely broke. So you, you, just, <laughs> you have to be really careful with this. I would tell you, if you're starting a business right now, set 40% in the tax account. So if you make a dollar, 40 cents goes in the tax account, 60 cents goes in the I can pay my other expenses account. Yep. And and then you work on your estimates. If you like doing estimates, uh, some folks do, some folks don't. If you're doing payroll, you can you can get all your withholding done through your own payroll, but you got to make sure you're doing it right. Yep. If you're if you're working in Indiana and you live in Michigan, you all, all of a sudden like you can't get there from here. So yeah. this is where I would say get professional help. Yeah, absolutely. And then certainly in this last step as well. This last step, it could be a, it's an entire show. We probably will focus a show just on this. But step five, when going from from employee to independent or contractor, is determine your retirement plan strategy. When you're an employee, your employer makes that decision. We've got a 401k. We've got a simple IRA. We've got whatever. Well, when you go out on your own you don't have a 401k available to you, but you could create one. You could create a simple, you could just do an IRA. You could do something called a SEP IRA. You've got to determine, well, what are my choices? What are the pros and cons of each? Therefore, which one fits me like a glove? And then as you're managing cash flow, and some of you just swallowed your tongue when you heard Kevin say set 40% aside for taxes, how much are you going to set aside for retirement? 
right? Figuring that out as well. That is all step five. Yeah. And when if you are going out on your own and it's going to be just you, that's actually fairly simple as far as setting up a retirement plan and having that. Once you add employees, it starts to become more complicated. Well, I don't need employees. I just need someone part-time eventually to do the stuff that I don't like doing. Well, no, that's an employee, right? So it, gets, <laughs> it could be it, it could be an employee super... or it could be a contractor, but don't don't be in violation of treating an employee like a contractor because yeah. you want to talk about liability or stuff that I can get sued for. Yeah, yeah. So so this is where it's really simple to have a retirement plan for one person or if the if the one if the halftime person that Mike's talking about is a family member, it's still pretty simple. Once you get beyond a couple of employees and they're not family, then then you have to get some complexity there. And I would just encourage you: don't think of this business that you're starting as your retirement. Don't think, hey, I'm going to grow this thing. I'm going to sell it someday, and that's going to fund my retirement. You need to be getting dollars outside of the business set aside in growth-type investments that can be helping you achieve the goals that you were already focused on, hopefully, back when you were working for another employer. And the things that, you know, retirement's going to come fast, and you, you need to be prepared for it. So setting up a retirement plan is not a luxury down the road, it needs to be something you get going on quickly. You can't do any of this without comprehensive financial planning. Those five steps, you'll be lost without a CFP. Work with your CFP on that. All right, on behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Can you put a disclaimer up, Lindsay? Yes. <laughs> apologize. To we apologize for, for the brain damage. And, and anyone... <laughs> Anyone whose ears hurt, come in for a complimentary ear massage. (laughs) (laughs) Can you put a disclaimer on (laughs) that as well? (laughs) Ear massages are not provided at Corvid Financial, nor would we want. Well, I mean, for those people that I have kind of rubbed the wrong way, I want to. All right, here we go. Rescue us. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.